Hey, it's Deacon here. I'm hosting a new workshop called Hiring Secrets to help you find the right people who will take your business to the next level. Join me live on April 6th, and I'll show you my biggest secrets and tools to building a high-performance team. Get all the details at deaconbradley.com, click the Hiring Secrets link in the menu, or check today's show notes for all the links you need. Now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, Angela, you ready? Ready. Okay, here it is. I'm going to open the envelope. I have here in my hands the MVP of our marketing team, the king of conversions, the sultan of sales. Ready to see who it is? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Sharp Business Growth Podcast, the show for CEOs who want to create healthy business growth online, of course. And today I have a special episode for you today. I'm going to share a conversation that I had that if you want your direct-to-consumer business model to work, if you want to create profitable, scalable growth in a DTC channel, whether that's your main channel or a separate channel, then the conversation that I'm sharing today is absolutely critical that you understand this as the business leader, as the CEO, as an executive, because one of your jobs is going to be looking at the field. You've heard us talk about the owner's model before. You've heard us talk about uh, your job as the CEO up in the owner's box isn't to score touchdowns. It's to get the right team on the field. It's to equip them with what they need. And that's exactly what today's episode is about. I'm going to be sharing some key information on exactly who those players are in the field. Who's the MVP? You'll see kind of how it all fits together, who's who, and you'll be able to look at your own team and say, here's what's working. Here's where I need to fill some holes and maybe go out and sign another free agent. And this is really interesting because even experienced brands don't always get this, right? And as things are moving and evolving in paid traffic land and online business land, this is even more critical to understand. So I have a special guest with me today. You heard her in the intro, Angela Ponsford. Angela and I have been in the trenches of DTC brands together for years. She is currently the vice president of media buying at tier 11. She oversees tens of millions of dollars in ad spend every single year, huge amount of experience. And for years, for several years, probably two or three years, Angela and I did this within the agency working side by side. So we've had this conversation loads of times uh, over the years, and it's kind of key to when we look at businesses and brands that want to take it to the next level. This is what I would want you to understand first. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Angela Ponsford. So Angela, one of the common misconceptions that I think people have when they're kind of talking to me, I'm sharing what it is that, that we do at the agency, who we work with, all of these things. And one of the common misconceptions, I think from total outsiders and also from other business owners, that's uh, kind of hindering them a little bit is I would call it like the myth of the one man show. Oh and, yes. And so like people are looking at who's your, your favorite, favorite guru that you follow online, your influencer, who do you love? Uh, a lot of people that I talk to are shocked to discover that there are teams of people behind this person helping them do their thing. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's um, such a such a common misconception. Um, I think it goes hand in hand with that the whole overnight success thing, <laughs> the the one man show. <laughs> Absolutely. How many of them are there? <laughs> Not many. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing on the e-commerce business side. So a lot of times, as an outsider, it looks like they are just product development geniuses, and yeah. it's you know they've got this product and that's why they succeed. But there's again teams of people behind these people. And so I think what would be really cool to do today, Angela, is just let's talk about the kind of the different hats that people are wearing in these businesses, what they do, which ones are important. And uh, yeah, just kind of shed some light on that because there's a lot, I think of, I I see a lot of business owners like trying to do too much themselves or they don't even know these other hats are out there. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, we were, when we were having a chat prepping for this, it's, it's people would, I think people would be amazed as well at, at some of these like super successful businesses that you see and the, how many hats certain people are wearing and how that's really hindering their business. And, you know, how sometimes even just one effective hire could be the the game changer for them. Oh man, that is so, so true. Um, you know what? I'm going to hold off on, on, I was about to like jump into some suggestions or stories, but like these are going to come up, I think as we go through these roles. Um, but so if you're a business owner, be listening in who's, which hats are you wearing right now? Uh, who's on your team, who should be on your team. And, and, uh, at the end of this, we'll kind of reveal a little bit more of our thoughts about who our MVP is. So really excited mm-hmm. about that part. Yeah, definitely. And uh, very interesting that we both chose the same one. I know. When Deegan and I started talking about this, you know, the all-star team, uh, we were brainstorming who we both thought needed to be on such a team. So wanted to kind of talk through some of those roles that we thought about and um, yeah, where we thought the Yeah, the let's most start with the, the most was. obvious one that everybody jumps to, uh, which I think yes. is media buyer. Mm-hmm. Yes. And obviously highly relevant to what we do. <laughs> we obviously um, see that one a lot. 11. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. But even just thinking of the media buyer, like, yeah, like in-house or freelance, that's probably the first thing that most people are thinking about. Should I just hire someone to do it myself, to do it and we do it all together in-house or should I pay an agency to do it? Totally. This is one of the first things I see people try to get help with a lot of times. And a lot of times I'd put an asterisk next to that and be like, they try to get help too soon with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably need some of these other roles that we're going to go through here. Uh, first, but media buying is so easy to outsource and it's so easy to say, Hey, you, can you point a traffic fire hose at my thing from either Facebook or Google or, or whatever it is that you're targeting. It's so easy to do that, uh, that that's often like one of the the first people added to the team, whether it's the right role or not. Yeah. And, and what you said there, yeah. Like to get someone, yeah, like get me all the traffic because that's <laughs> what's going to grow my business. That's what I'm missing. Um, mm-hmm. But if there's something not quite right uh, elsewhere, then maybe the media buyer isn't the best person for, to be the first hire. Right. So we've got this media buyer hat. Maybe you're wearing it. Maybe someone else is wearing it. Maybe you gave it to uh, the freelancer walking down the street because there are so many media buyer freelancers right now. There are. <laughs> Somebody's wearing that hat if you get, if you're succeeding online most of the time. Uh yeah. next role I I have here on my list, website tech. And I'm intentionally not 
putting job titles on these. I try to do that a lot of times when we talk about roles internally, like who we need to add to the team. We try not to use job titles because there's a lot of kind of overloaded baggage mm. and preconceptions that go with that. Uh, so I'm just calling these what they are website tech. So this is like, yeah, who somebody has to make the page work that sells the widget collects totally. the money. Yes. And, you know, depending on, on what type of business you are, there's like that, that could be an easier thing. You know, like if you're e-commerce and you're using something like Shopify, then your website tech yes. may not need to be so advanced. Off as the shelf, it's done for it. you. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Same thing with like a ClickFunnels or a Kajabi. Um, yeah. You can go super far using those platforms. Somebody just has to learn how to operate it and wear that hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. hundred percent. Yep. So, but it definitely has to be, there has to be some, something there. And I think, you know, one of the other, one of the other hats we're going to talk about is maybe a little bit more advanced version of that. That's right. So we're putting the team together. We've got a meaty buyer hat. We've got our web tech hat so we can now sell the widget, collect the money. And we've got somebody sending traffic to the widget. Uh, who's next on our list? We've got the web designer. So I always used to get confused with this one with like when, you know, when you're thinking about having a web, a web person, I, would, I always used to think that they were just one and the same. So whoever would do the tech would just also inherently do the design because isn't that's what web Oh yeah, they're totally do. the same thing. Totally, they're not. Yeah. I'm being sarcastic. I have a <laughs> kind of a software development background. And so that's why uh, I'm particularly sarcastic about that one because <laughs> I can do the tech do not hire me to do the design. Um, if you're kind of at an earlier stage or if, if the offer is at an earlier stage, you're not ready to invest a ton into this. This is where things like drag and drop editors are huge. Insta pages we've used effectively before. ClickFunnels has a good drag and drop thing. There's a number of WordPress plugins that'll help you kind of get this done. So this is something that you don't like. If you're the non if you're a non-designer guy like me, it's okay to wear that web designer hat and just, you know, make a page with that kind of thing that looks as good as you can. That'll yeah. get you out of the gates and a little ways down the road. Um, yeah. When we see people bring on the web designer, uh, I guess I see that in a couple scenarios. The first one is what I would call like the mature offer. So yeah. at some point the offer is doing really well. Um, they're, 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 they've, they've locked in all of the aspects of the messaging. It's converting, it's, it's making a lot of money. And now that designer's job is to come in and say, all right, how can we make this more professional? How can we make it more on brand? How can we do all those little things that end up making a big difference in the long game? Now that we know we have something worth tweaking. Yeah. And then the kind of the second area that I see web designers designers be really effective. And, and we're going through this with one of our customers at tier 11 right now, Angela, um, mm-hmm. when they already have like a really, really high quality brand, like yes. you don't want to go out there and put somebody's name on it that like everybody knows this brand. You don't want to put, <laughs> put out like something that's not great looking and not on brand. Cause that could actually hurt you if you already have a brand in the marketplace. Yeah, totally. And I think certainly with that that web designer hat, uh, I what I see, you know, from working with lots of small businesses earlier on, you know, when I was first starting out, they spend people spend too much on this early on and forget about 
some of these other hats, which we think are way more important. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually just noticing someone that might not be on our list here that we should have put on here. Uh, and I'm going to bring them in right now. Do so it. Surprise guest right in here, Angela. <laughs> um, I don't see, I mean, I see one version of this, but I don't see just straight up copywriter. Like who wrote the words that go on the page that we're designing. Mm, and that's something that's, that we're, when we're talking about designers, this is, I think an interesting aspect of this that not a lot of people realize until, until you're kind of down the road with, with success and working with, with bigger copywriters. But, uh, there are web designers who will make things that look amazing and you'll be like, wow, I feel like Apple now. Like this is so cool. And then there are web designers who will make pages that convert. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference there. And I think that's really interesting. And like, so copywriters, if the copywriter is like putting the message together, they actually kind of have this love hate relationship with the, with the designers a lot of times. And they're like, don't you mess up my message. You know, like <laughs> I wrote this message to be like this and this headline needs to go here and like, don't break my, like, don't word wrap my text to the next line over here. Like mm-hmm. this needs to read just like that. And so there are web designers who will make things that are pretty and there are web designers that will make things that convert. And, uh, Angela, I think you've even seen some that have made some that convert that aren't pretty. That is another interesting yes. observation. <laughs> I do. I have, uh, yeah, I have, I have an example that I always share when people are going, this website looks terrible and this will never convert. And it's highly dependent on who you're selling to. Um, and I use, I use an example of, of Ryan Vex, um, Orchids Made Easy website and, and how, you know, if anybody, if you know who he is, the, the, the founder of the ask method and how, you know, look at that orchidsmadeeasy.com and have a look at that website. And, uh, it's a pretty well converting website, apparently. Like when Angela says that, like, seriously, go pull it up on your mm-hmm. phone, pull over to the side of the road, <laughs> like, look at it. Yep. You will be shocked and just know that Ryan Levesque is an incredibly talented marketer. Uh, he's been doing mm-hmm. this for a long time and this is an extremely effective page. Yes, exactly. And it's because of the, the, the market, the main demographic that are, are, are buying and interacting with that page. It works well. So yeah, that's a really <laughs> good point that, like, you know, the, does it look good versus does it con- convert? So here's my question on this. We, we, the next hat that we kind of had on the list was the CRO. So conversion rate optimization hat. How different is that to, a web designer and or web copywriter or do, can they be rolled into one? Is it a completely different role? That is an excellent question. So CRO conversion rate optimization. This is the, the, the person or the team in some cases, there are agencies who do this, that you would bring in to your already working funnel and say, how can I get the conversion rate up? Maybe you're selling stuff at 2% on a page and you'd like to go to 3%. Or maybe it's like a free lead opt-in that's coming in at 20% and you want to get it up to 30 or 40% and make your numbers work. So conversion rate optimization people or teams like CRO is going to come in, look at everything and try to figure out how can we make this convert better. From my experience, and this is painting a super broad brush here, 
So I know there are agencies that are going to do this in all kinds of different ways. This has just been my experience when working uh, with the few people that I have worked with. The CRO teams often focused on the uh, the mechanism of testing and measurement and not mm. as much on the test design and whatnot. So like your copywriter yeah. might be writing three or four headlines that they think might work. And the CRO team might say, all right, I can systematically test these and measure them and we can arrive at an answer that we all agree on. And I would say the same thing for the web designer, but I haven't often seen the CRO person be skilled enough in like design because we're talking about a lot of different disciplines sure. that have come together on this page. There was the website design uh, and then there was like the copy. So it's like mm. two wildly different fields. Yeah. So I guess I, I've not seen CRO specialists say, oh, I can actually do each of those fields. There, yeah, that yeah, that that's a really good explanation of how they're different. Because that's a, often sometimes in the moment that I, you know, when we're, you know, when we're even when we were we're thinking through these, who do you need on your team? Like trying to think of those nuances and those differences. Because I, I think it is useful. Well, we're talking about it, and because we think it's useful for people, like to know which of these should they have, when do they need them, and how are they different? So, yeah. Totally. And, and oftentimes like the CRO optimization hat, that conversion rate optimization hat, I don't usually see that be a specific individual that that is their only hat that they're wearing. Like that mm. almost never happens. And when it does, I, it's almost like this, this could be its own episode, but it's almost like it adversely affects the work that everybody's doing together. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually the CRO optimization I see as being, um, someone that we'll talk to in a little bit, uh, talk about in a little bit, like marketing director or someone who's leading the overall yeah. thing, just saying like, let's go this direction, let's test this. And then a little bit of that website tech person too, who's then taking that as input and saying, okay, well, if I, if they want, if we want to test this to discover answer, whether it's A or B, then like, I'm going to install this tracking thing and now I can measure mm. it. So it's kind of like that hat can be split up against between like website tech and whoever is kind of leading the marketing charge or the copywriter as well, or maybe even the web designer. Totally. And I think from our experience uh, with working, you know, with lots of different companies of different sizes, this is one thing that I think we would all, we would agree is, is pretty lacking for most businesses. <laughs> it's like, Hey, I've got my, my website's been working. I've been making all the sales and it's, you know, my traffic is, is, that is rubbish now, or this is rubbish. And when often it can be like, maybe it just does need some testing done on the website to make it convert better. And maybe it is just people are, have been there so many times to your website and are fed up of seeing the same thing, whatever, whatever it is. And yeah, the CRO is, I, I, I see, I just seem, I seem to think that feel that it's got more and more important. I think, I guess, as more and more people are having websites and how much easier it is to have Shopify and how much more competition there is. Uh, I 100% agree. I think it's, uh, it's probably the hat that we most often see nobody wearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. is what you were just saying, but yeah. if somebody even just did it a little bit, you can make a mm -hmm. big difference. And like, let's put this into context, Angela, 
So let's say you're um, like, how does, if we're, t- if we're at a conversion rate, let's make the numbers nice and round 10% yeah. conversions, which is either really bad for a lead magnet or extremely shockingly good if you're an e-commerce but mm-hmm. I picked 10% for some reason. <laughs> so let's say you're converting okay. something at 10% to one out of every 10 people are performing the action that you want. Um, how would that change? If you were to improve that, talk a little bit about how that affects the media buying piece of the puzzle. Yeah, totally. So, you know, we, we've seen this with a, a client that we've got um, right now and from the media buying side to increase that conversion rate from 10%, to save 15% uh, or even 12% to get an extra 2% conversion rate to do that on the media buying side can involve a lot of work. So, you know, especially if you're, if you're getting, you know, your, your ad copy and your creatives, your ads are resonating well, you're getting, you know, let's assume it, this is an e-com brand and you're already doing really well with that conversion rate uh, to even get small tweaks and conversion rates sometimes just by changing the ads can be, it's it's a lot of work. It can be a re- real challenge. And then the thing that most people don't do is like, wow, imagine I could tweak something diff- and change it on the website. And then that alone gets me a better conversion rate. I don't have to do anything with my ads. I can, you know, a lot less work over there, but change something over here. And, and you know, we, we have a client right now who we've been doing this exact process with. And yeah, we've like more than doubled the conversion rate. Most of that has been from changes to the website, not changes to the ads. More than double the conversion rate. So like, let's put this in perspective of, uh, I'm just going to pull a random example I've never used before. This could totally break down. (laughs) Let's say you are running like the hundred meter dash and you're not, not very good. takes you about Mm -hmm. 20 seconds to get all the way down there. Uh, let's say 18 seconds just to, all right, 18 seconds to run a hundred meters and you, so to put this in the context of like media buying and how it, that relates to conversion rates, if you double your conversion rate, effectively you are saying, Hey, if I was getting one out of 10 people, uh, to convert, now I'm getting one out of five. So mm-hmm. to say that another way, if I was paying $50 to acquire a customer, now I'm only paying 25 or now mm-hmm. I'm paying $50 to acquire two customers. So in hundred meter dash land, you were running an 18 second, hundred meters. CRO comes into play here. We make some tweaks, double the conversion. Now you're running. Now you're like Hussein Bolt in the Olympics, <laughs> like nine seconds. Nine seconds. That's what that, that's that difference. Like, that's why we're like, oh my gosh, could somebody please just put this hat on and take the lead here? Because small changes in conversion rate can make massive impacts on the media buying exactly. side of things. And like it, it's huge. Yeah, totally. And yeah, definitely. And you know, some, some people that having that CRO, a dedicated CRO person or paying an agency to do it. Yeah. It might not be in within your budget. It might not be something that you can really, you know, fork out for now, but definitely have it on your radar if it's not, because it's, it's such an important hat that we, we are seeing is making huge differences to you know some of our clients. Totally. And, it, and it's not just, even if you can't fork out for it, like, yeah, that's expensive. If you're going to go outside for that, it's still, I see, I see it. And I bet you do too, Angela is like a mentality, like a culture within the business. Yes. Like, do I build pages and 
carve them in stone and that's as good as they can ever get? Or does my business have the mindset of constantly testing and improving and challenging our own assumptions about stuff? Um, yeah. Cause there's a lot more to it than, than hiring somebody and having them magically wear, <laughs> wear the hat. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, what you said there is a hundred percent. It's that, it, that ma- having that mindset of testing. I mean, heck, I've even been known to get into um, VWO visual website optimizer myself back in the day and, you know, setting it up on in the ad side and testing some stuff. So it's, you know, if you, if you have that mindset of you want to test things for sure. Quick aside there, uh, we should have mentioned some tools here. What is VWO? Totally. BWO. So yeah, a visual website optimizer, that's a tool that allows you to do these kind of split tests on the pages that you already have. So instead of you having to completely build out brand new pages, duplicate stuff, you can choose certain elements on the page and you can test them. And, you know, you can do, you can do lots of really ninja stuff. You know, I've in the past linked UTMs uh, and ads to changes on the website uh, based on different messaging and creative and ads and therefore so yeah so like you uh, can get ninja to explain that last ninja thing in non-ninja terms what you're saying is somebody could see a facebook ad for dog beds or for like a dog product theme click over and see like a dog theme landing page but if they saw the cat version of the ad they could see the Mm -hmm. cat themed landing page but really it's the same landing page same but link. It's just, it's just, yeah. Cats at the top instead of dogs. Yeah. And so that's where you're going to want the website tech guy to put his hat on. If you're confused by that last part, just send them to mm. VWO or that's what we all yeah. call it. Is that even the website? It is. Yeah. I think it is VWO.com. Impressive. Yeah. I know. Cause it was a bit of a mouthful to say the whole, the whole three <laughs> words. <laughs> Next on our list, we have data analysts. So this is something kind of down the road, in my opinion. Uh, mm. By the time somebody puts on this hat or is doing it more more than just part-time, uh, you have a lot of data. And mm. so these are things like if you're running these split tests, if you've got customers coming in and you want to know what's my most profitable product, what's the lifetime value of a new customer, all of these types of questions that are that are really important to understand, like somebody has to figure them out, right? You got to go find yeah. the answer. And a lot of times that's buried in data about, mm. uh, it could be data inside your Shopify store or inside your, your customer database. It could also be data kind of more around conversions or ad type stuff, but there is a lot, a lot, a lot to sift through there. Mm. And, yeah. uh, it's yeah, you know, it's, it's we were we were talking about this earlier um, on our team call, like you know, looking at different data points, how to present data. I mean, and it can be a total minefield um, for people to to even look at that. You know, if you're just not if you're not that way inclined, it, it's a challenge. But there there's the there's gold and damn dare hills. Is no that what kidding. They- <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to say. <laughs> yeah. And there, you know, there really is. And, you know, even just, you know, having someone who can under, who understands how to look at that data. And then the most important part is interpret it and then make decisions to improve your business based on it. We should totally do an episode on like a few different areas, like customer metrics, mm. media buying metrics, 
analytics totally. metrics for like your website and maybe some of like the most important questions to focus in on. Cause you can also waste a lot of time in data analyst mm-hmm. land, especially if you have a data analyst, because they're kind of like, they can answer any question you ask. Mm-hmm. Now you, you just have to ask the right questions or it's not yes. going to be super effective for you. Yes, totally. And, you know, I think finding, finding a, a, an analyst that understands the bigger picture as well, I think is really important rather than it being, yes, yeah, someone who's like, you know, you and I, we're both nerds, I would say, when it comes yeah. to data and things like that. <laughs> but it's just, it's just being able to take that step back and see the, the bigger picture of the business and, and what they're trying to achieve which one of them is the next, the next role that kind of ties in with the next hat. Mm-hmm. CFO, finance, chief yep. financial officer. I'm always surprised how oftentimes either nobody's wearing this hat or they only put the hat on once a month briefly and then take it off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Um, and so again, look at thinking about the data, a lot of what we see. And I mean, I think we're, often amazed and surprised at how often targets for media buying and targets for the business are absolutely not rooted in good business. Just arbitrary, sense, right? Business. Just, yeah. just, it's like this, my mate over there was getting three times return on ad spend and therefore that's what I want to get. Yeah. It's as if there's a, a store with your customers in it and you just go in you're like, how much are customers? 10 bucks. All right. Give me some of those. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the right way to <laughs> figure Absol- it out. <laughs> Absolutely not. And you know, I, I think just really thinking about like, we talked about this on, you know, another episode, you know, knowing your cost of goods, knowing your, knowing what makes sense for your business and what you need to make back, but really having someone dedicated to that. Cause oftentimes if it's you as the business owner, doing it, it's super hard to be objective about this. Yeah. And it can really get in the way of all of the other stuff you're doing. And and the example that I like to go back to that, man, we were, it drove us nuts for months until we kind of started unraveling all the wires. But uh, this was a business that was constantly, so from our side of the wall, we're kind of in the media buyer hat in this role. And from our side of the wall, Every couple of weeks, they would come back and be and change the media buying targets. Like, oh, we need, we can pay this per customer. No, wait, ring it, rain it in. We can only pay half that per customer. Oh, let it go out. We need more customers. Like, let's pay more. And mm-hmm. So it's this constant moving target. Which, if you've ever been a media buyer, like, there's a lot of planning that goes into this. A lot of like meticulous attention to detail. And if somebody's constantly moving the goalposts, like, it does not go well. But mm-hmm. effectively what was happening was they were doing what uh, I'm, I'm looking over my bookshelf here. I can't remember the author's name, but he wrote profit first and he calls it bank balance. Michael yes. yes. Fantastic book for business owners. Uh, he calls it bank balance accounting, which mm-hmm. is like you like, how do you do your accounting? Oh, you open your phone and you look at your bank balance and you think, Oh yeah, I could buy that. And yeah. that's kind of how, <laughs> how people were running their media buying, you know, they're giving us budgets and targets because in the beginning of the month, they're like flush with cash towards the end. They're like, Oh crap. Or maybe they did an inventory buy and the budget's low and they're reining us back in. But the hat that was always missing there is that CFO finance person to analytically and with discipline, look at the numbers and make intelligent business Mm -hmm. decisions. Like we talked about in our last episode, Angela, about what you should pay for a customer 
how long it takes yeah. to get that cash back, all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yeah, totally. And yeah, at the, too too often it's it's the business owner that takes on that role, and you know inherently that's what it's going to be when you're first starting out. Yeah. But as you grow and you've got more balls to juggle, um, you know different media buying sources, all those kind of things, it absolutely needs to be someone who can look at that bigger picture and oh, make yeah. decisions. That's a role that will pay you back if you know Hells your numbers. To the yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny kind of a related thing just this morning, we have a, a new customer that's, that's starting with us tomorrow and they shared a bunch of really detailed financial model info with us. And you might be thinking like, why would you give your media buyer team access to all of these different conversion rates and like, like how, how their call center works and all these other things. But I pulled so much gold out of that thing, just understanding what they need as a business. A lot of businesses would show up and just say, I need sales for, I don't know, $50 per sale is what I can pay. But because of this, we were able to see a lot of other kind of intermediate metrics and a lot, it was like a 3d business that we can really help them scale because we actually had that numbers. And I mean, they've obviously got someone on their side who knows what they're doing. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I, I, I saw you share that and then your analysis and I was like, well, yes, <laughs> now we're getting serious about this. Yeah. That's <laughs> going to be a fun one. Yeah. All right. Last role hat we have on our list here, Angela, what is it? Well, a few different names for this. So copy chief, marketing director, CMO, chief marketing officer. Yeah. They're all a little different, but in this respect, I think we're all talking about the same thing, which is like, what's that sing who, who is in charge of the singular voice behind your brand and messaging strategy? Like, one yeah. person, hopefully, driving one, that ship. One person, and a lot of the time, not one person, or that person does not exist. Yeah, a lot of times that person doesn't exist. Which, yeah, <laughs> which causes no end of issues for everyone involved when there's, yeah, different messaging, completely so different strategies. This sounds like a simple thing, but picture this. That singular voice is going to... um it's going to go trickle down to the copywriter who's going to write your web page. The web designer is going to understand that brand voice and that brand message and what you're trying to get across. Uh, there's even like kind of emotional things in there as far as like, how's that page going to look? They're going to get that, take that leadership from them. Um, the web designer, the web tech guy is going to build it out. That looks like that. Anything that goes with conversion rate optimi- optimization is going to be derived from questions that this person is kind of driving. Uh, and then ultimately, like, does this help a media buyer, Angela? <laughs> like, total sarcastic question there. <laughs> Funny but. you should ask. Yes. Yeah. T- I mean, totally. I don't even know what a copy chief was until kind of late last year when we actually employed one. And wow, have my eyes been uh, widened and my brain expanded by that one higher into tier 11. <laughs> No kidding. Like I was honestly blown away. I had worked with, you know, copywriters here and there, but somebody with the title of copy chief, somebody who's like a legit marketing director, not like a manager of other marketing people, but like a director of marketing CMO level person who's saying, Hey, this supplement that we have, this golf club that we have, this, whatever, this is who we're selling it to. This is how we're selling it to them. Uh, somebody to actually like line that stuff up and, and tee it up for you. Pardon the 
unintentional pun there <laughs> is so critical to success. Like it's night and day difference. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, a lot of the time the media buyer will take on that role. So whoever's, you know, creating the ads and, you know, selling the thing using paid traffic. Yes, there's a lot of research involved in that. If if they're a good media buyer, if there's someone, you know, if that's what you've got in your team, but having that copy chief marketing director um, role, absolute game changer, game changer. All right, Angela, we've gone through eight job titles here, eight different hats that people could wear. The final results are in. Should we announce it? Let's do it. Have you got that envelope again? I've got the envelope here. The MVP of our marketing team is... Copy chief. Probably no surprise there. Uh, We both laid that one on pretty thick at the end. But (laughs) in your words, Angela, of this whole team, if, if this is like your MVP... Why would you say, oh my gosh, if like, let's say you walk into a new business and, um, and you want to like get whatever result, why would you say, guys, we need a copy chief, sell it to me. Yeah. Sell it to you. Okay. So the, just that person who is going to go deeper than you ever thought possible on the wants, needs, desires of your ideal customer, and then able to translate those wants, needs, desires into effective ad copy, effective direction on, you know, your landing pages and sales pages and things like that. And then ultimately looking at the the, the stats and the data that you're going to need to prove that those things are working or not. Like it, it just, it crosses every single one of those other hats. So, so important. And then I guess the one caveat I'd add onto that I don't think that the business owner or product developer is allowed to wear this hat. <laughs> no, they, they are banned from that hat. Banned from the hat. Do not wear this hat. Go find yep. a professional. Um, just to, I guess, illustrate this. Cause the thing that I often hear kind of pushback on this is, is like, like, Oh, you know, the business owner, I know my product better than anyone. I know my customers better than anyone, all of that kind of stuff. One of the things that I think is a really just, like hits you in the face example of, of to kind of shatter that belief is our copy chief, Zach, who we're definitely going to have on the show. Cause mm-hmm. he's hugely interesting. He talks about the, the like lead copywriter for Esquire magazine, which is a uh, mm. African-American targeted. I think business professionals is the market. Yeah. And um, that lead copy guy there is like a middle-aged white guy. And nobody's been able to beat him. So Mm -hmm. it's not like nobody else can like, don't be so arrogant to think that nobody else could know your customers or talk to them as well as you, because a copy chief, that's all they do. And they are so phenomenally good at it. Now that we're seeing it up close, we're like, wow, this is such a big impact. Yeah, there, you know, his ability, you know, Zach in particular, uh, his ability to go so deep on things that like, yeah, most of the time he never even considered. And, you know, I consider myself a fairly good researcher. And uh, yeah, some of the stuff he comes out with, I'm like, holy Yeah, I thought moly. I was good till I met Zach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, uh, yeah, and, and I'm, uh, you know, copy, yeah, copy chief 100% for, we both agree that, it's such a key role for success. If you want to scale your business and you want to have a successful business. There it is. 
Well, thanks for joining us today on the Sharp Business Growth Podcast. Be sure and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Visit us at sharpbusinessgrowth.com. You'll find some more resources right there on the homepage, including a guide that can help you put together more successful campaigns. And now that you know the players on the field, I think that you will look at that guide and see where they start to come into those different places. So... Hugely important conversation today if you want to grow your DTC business channel. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.